This is how we overcome the movement now. Here we come. Reaching to the world with arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk and Happy New Year. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And uh, as Erica mentioned, it is a brand new year for church nerds, at least. We were willing to name it out loud. It is the beginning of a new church year uh, with the beginning of the season of Advent. Um, And in fact, as has become something of tradition here on Crazy Faith Talk for this season, uh, we try and take this season as a whole uh, to create themes around our conversations here uh, around our imaginary microphone and table. Um, And so this year, we thought for our Advent series, we might take a look at four themes that for a lot of people are already part of their celebration or observance of Advent. And for others, maybe it's, oh, yeah, I guess it's always been in the background. I just didn't have the words for it. Um, The words are, the themes are hope and peace and joy and love, which some people grew up with identifying with the four candles on the advent wreath that there's a hope candle and a peace candle and a joy candle and a love candle and others who have different meanings assigned to the candles or others who just no, that's how we count four weeks um but those themes are there for sure uh and so this advent we invite you to join us for the four wednesday or the four weeks here in um in advent to take a look at one of those themes each week and where shall we begin so we're going to start with hope and um so so quick disclaimer so we had a big long conversation before we started recording as to what the correct order of these words are and um erica said that she looks it up every year and she feels like every year it is different uh we could all agree joy was number three but um the other ones less sure on and i'm not sure like i feel like that might just be because some people celebrate them at different times maybe i don't know so we're gonna go with hope first uh because that felt like it had a good connection to the first sunday of advent um which is to me feels like it could be culture shock to people if you think oh advent one is the sunday of hope and then you go to church and church is all about how we're waiting for the second coming of jesus and when jesus gets here jesus is going to judge us all (laughs) and you know and so then you're just sitting in the pew and you're going when are they going to start talking about hope right right where's the hope jesus is going to come and judge me and i know myself uh i know i'm a pretty sinful person and i don't find much hope in that um so i feel like there could be the potential of a lot of culture shock with hope in advent one and I, I want to go on record saying this is one of the things I'm actually most excited about about this series is the idea of rescuing these words, hope and peace and joy and love from becoming just sort of empty car- greeting card kind of sentiments that mean nothing, but are non-offensive and have no rough edges because we've just sort of made them empty greetings or something like that. And to recover a sense of how maybe countercultural and how uh challenging each of these things can be um and so especially uh the 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 jarring notion of hearing about jesus coming and judging the nations including ourselves and somehow that being a word of hope that's something i kind of want to steer into but yeah because it's um they are more than buzzwords yeah um steve you shared something before we started this episode too about the word hope that i don't think i've 
heard before, or if I had heard it went in one ear and then out the other without leaving any trace in my brain. Um, and that is that hope also can be translated in some languages as waiting. Well, yeah, I think last year this uh, bubbled up in our conversation when we were talking about some of our favorite Advent hymns, and we mentioned that one that I know as All Earth is Hopeful, and when we were talking about it, Erica, you mentioned, well, it sounds like a hymn we have, but ours is called All Earth, All is, Earth waiting. is Waiting. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's because in Spanish, at least, the same verb, esperar, means to hope and to wait, um, which to me, uh, like being like ninth grade kid sitting in Spanish class learning this, it blew my mind, um, and the young church there, and he was like, oh, wow, how cool, because here we have this season in our church's life where the recurring you know words from the preacher we have to wait we have to wait but that waiting and hoping are somehow related um or at least they can be and i think that helps rescue hope from being just like magical thinking wishing the way sometimes we, we use the word hope to mean like here's a thing i think is unlikely but i'm wishing for you know i hope it doesn't rain i only say that on the days i'm thinking it's gonna rain i don't want it to um <laughs> but uh to to see hope as something much more firm and certain about being pulled into a future um that's that's something that that I guess is more rigorous to me and, and more lively and vibrant. Well, and Sarah, you talked about usually the first week, if you follow the lectionary is, is judgment and the second coming, but the second coming is something that we hope for. That's something that we wait for in yeah. anticipation and, and want it to come. And I, I know we've talked before in, in your liturgy as Lutherans, that's something that is part of your weekly communion liturgy um, is that hopeful waiting for the second coming. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, despite whatever order you might want to put it in that, that, that hope would go with that first week of Advent. Mm -hmm. That's the lectionary reading. And and I know that this is also my, my own brain space in December. Um, because, you know, as church nerds, we have a foot both in the church and also in the secular world, right? So it's beginning of December, it's Advent one, I've already put up my Christmas tree, despite my husband's grumbling. Um, you know, I've started watching my Hallmark Christmas movies. I've been baking cookies and wrapping presents. And like, so I've been doing all of those secular things, right? And I'm like, yeah, come baby Jesus, like, woo. And, um, and then, you know, I go to church on, or more likely the week leading up to Advent one, I'm like writing my sermon and I'm just kind of like, I am, I'm here for Advent as preparing for baby Jesus. And then Advent one always hits me like a ton of bricks and surprises me every year because that's not what it's about. Yeah. Advent one is, again, especially if you're following the lectionary, is about waiting and hoping for Jesus's second coming. So not itty bitty little baby Jesus, not all cute baby Jesus, but like full grown adult, <laughs> I'm bold man and divine Jesus, who is going to come and do stuff. <laughs> To That's set things not right. like babies, yeah. like, right. Like, you know, going to usher in the kingdom of God fully realized in and among us. And you know, that's, that's not Hallmark Christmas. Yeah. I th and so I'm always surprised every year, even though I've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Like part of the appeal for the, uh, a lot of the wider culture to the extent that people are willing to acknowledge that Jesus is a part of 
Christmas, um, is that baby Jesus can't make demands of us. Baby Jesus mm-hmm. can't challenge us and say things like love your enemies or, um, you know, uh, can't, can't uh, call out our greed or hypocrisy. Um, and Christ, the King who reigns in glory and calls us on our garbage. Yeah. Not only is capable of doing it, but does it. Um, and even though we talked in our last episode about the, wonderful reversal of christ the king sunday yep the christ who's ruler of the universe turns out to be the one with nail marks in his hands and the servant's basin and towel he is still the 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 sovereign of the universe and that's a challenge to us but um a a good one maybe this is a place for me to name too that part of maybe what makes us uncomfortable about the idea of jesus coming and shaking things up is is to, to recognize our, our privileged status. Like if, if I'm in a pretty comfortable position, I don't want any messiahs coming along and messing things up. I've got, you know, a nice income and a nice house and I, there's a roof over my head and I'm not worrying about where my next meal is going to come from. And uh, I live in the superpower in the world where uh, we are told to be good citizens by buying more and consuming more um, like that. We don't we don't want that to get shaken up. If you're somebody who is suffering and waiting for justice to be done because you are constantly being stepped on, you're aching for somebody to come and set things right and shake things up. And I guess like this is a reminder to me year after year that the the lectionary's wisdom or the church year's wisdom in starting with Jesus coming again is that it does shake apart even the places that I'm comfortable and maybe need to be made more uncomfortable. I will confess another branch of my nerdiness right now. Um, not that it is a surprise to longtime listeners, but the science fiction nerd in me has been absolutely enjoying this fall watching the new uh, Star Wars series Andor, uh, the new Disney Plus Star Wars series Andor, which is all about a minor character from a lesser appreciated movie uh, in the beginnings of the rebellion uh, against the evil galactic empire and all the Star Wars movies. And this series is placed among like a bunch of nobody. So this is not like the story of like how Darth Vader gets his lightsaber or you don't see any cute baby Yodas. It's very, very gritty and sort of low to the ground. But like early in early in the series, you just sort of see people who are increasingly being crushed by this uh, empire, you know, people being thrown in prison, people being rounded up, people having their livelihoods taken away, people being tortured because it is expedient for the empire. And you also see a lot of people who are kind of caught in between just picking sides and they they believe all the promises of the galactic empire, that it will bring order and that all those troublemakers should be rounded up. And you sort of get to see the way a situation like that turns um, an ordinary, indifferent, neutral person into a rebel, the way that the, the title character Cassian Andor sort of becomes a part of a rebellion, seeing like, no, the way the Empire is doing things is wrong, and they hope for a day when things can change. They hope for a day when it can be brought down, and when its criminality and its violence and its oppression can finally be said no to, I guess. And I guess watching that um, certainly makes me aware of any galactic empires, but also, like, it gives me a, a different perspective on, on what it means to hope for Jesus reign. It means that like there are folks right now, any given day who feel like they're being stepped on by powerful forces around them, whether it's uh, people in Ukraine who are constantly worried about um, Russian missiles, you know, flying overhead or people who have been displaced from violence or 
people who have been living through conflicts that just don't make the news in America. Um, and part of what you ho have to hope for is when Jesus comes, isn't, isn't Jesus going to put an end to that and change that and, and end the, the violence or the oppression or the fear? Um, and if I'm comfortable with the way things are, maybe it's a reminder my ears and eyes have not been open. So if, if I were um, going to suggest uh, faith practices for Advent, the nerd in me is going to say, watch, watch the TV show Andor, because it appropriately notes how anger becomes uh, hope and, and uh, faith, maybe. It's the season. It can be your <laughs> new Advent one tradition. <laughs> I guess maybe a, a question to ask of each of you is, um, how do you pull against the the... the temptation to make hope just sort of a wishful thinking word how do we rescue hope from just nostalgia and how do we become people as individuals and maybe as leaders of congregations who who use the word hope in a way that's that's substantive rather rather than just a throwaway empty kind of a word what, what does it mean to be hopeful and why is it such a radical thing why is it like Paul can say, in the end, three things last, faith, hope, and love. So even though he says love is the great, what, what is it about this notion of hope that is a strong, solid, vibrant thing? And how do we, how do, we do that together? Last year, I had um, a saint from my last church, almost, I think maybe the matriarch, the, the oldest member of the church died right around Christmas. And, we, and I did her funeral the Monday before Christmas. And while I kind of have that standard funeral, you know, stuff that we, we do, you know, with most every funeral, hers felt very different because of the season that it was in. Hmm. And, and so I made a point in my sermon um, to really draw on all four of these um, themes of Advent. And, and the hope part of that was that, we knew where Ruby was. We, you know, that, that hope that she had had all her life of meeting Jesus face to face was something that she was experiencing, mm -hmm. you know, for that, what would be her, her first Christmas, not here on earth after 95 years of mm -hmm. Christmases. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so in that sense, you know, it, not that you want to have a death close to the holidays as somebody who lost a relative on Christmas day, that is wretched and, and hard. Um, but when it happens, that, that brings about a hope that's just not the sentimental hope that you usually get at, at the Christmas season. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, this is tethered to the conversation we had at the end of our series on, um, Christianity 202, when we talked about, like, can we collectively say with confidence that good wins in the end, that God wins and that God's victory is assured for us individually in the hope beyond death and for us collectively in God's reign over evil? And if that's something that we think is solid and not up for debate, then yeah, like our, our hope is grounded, not just in wishful thinking of wouldn't it be nice if God wins in the end, but this confidence, there's a future that is certain. And because of that, I can face this moment differently. I, I guess I think in a similar way, that same sense of the way hope became real and necessary for you in the face of death, grieving a parishioner that like when, when, 
something really, really sad or terrible or despairing happens, we need a strong word of hope. And I think about, um, I can't help but hear the words of that great Sam Cooke protest song, Change is Gonna Come. Um, and like, it, it, he keeps coming back to that that recurring line through all the verses. You know, it's been a long time coming, but a change is gonna come. And he, he, you know, he, he writes that, he sings that in the midst of Jim Crow as people are getting arrested and beat up for sitting at, you know, lunch counters and thrown in jail for sitting on the wrong seat in the bus and all that. Um, and to hope and to, to be sustained by the that hope of um things aren't going to continue to be this rotten way forever and justice doesn't win in the end and then to step into that to sense okay because i'm convinced there is this future how will i anticipate it now how will i live in light of that promised future now that is sort of the logic of hope how hope isn't just keep muddling on things are terrible but one day they won't be but in light of the way things will change how do i live now in light of that differently i guess how about for you, Sarah? Are there ways that you see hope being something more than like just greeting card sentiment? Or how do you, as leader of a congregation, help people to uh, appropriate that theme in a way like that? So, so to me, I, I when I think of hope, I often think of this song from Prince of Egypt, When You Believe. Oh, okay. And I, I looked up the lyrics just now and it doesn't quite say what I thought it was to say <laughs> and that I've like always kind of stuck in my head. Um, but there's this one line that that I always remember um, that says, though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Mm. And and I think that's so beautiful because I think it is really easy for life to kind of stomp you down mm-hmm. and for you to just kind of lose hope and to like lose that footing yeah um but for me that that it's hard to kill is because i often feel like where we put our hope or where the hope sticks the strongest is when it's not so much when we're hoping in what others can do or what we can do but what god does yeah yeah and the hope of the those promises that God has made to us throughout history and that God keeps God's promises. Yeah. So though all of those promises might not be completely fulfilled yet, but our hope and trust is that they will be. I think that's one of the really beautiful tensions of the season of Advent, how so often it's God's track record of being faithful at promise keeping in the past that then is used for the grounds for, and here's why we can trust God to keep the promises that are yet to be fulfilled. So like so much of ancient Israel's hope of the coming Messiah that, you know, we'll hear in these coming weeks, especially in the words of the prophets was, well, okay, why would we believe this outlandish notion that exile isn't the end? Why would we believe that there's going to be a new beginning for us? Well, we've been through places where it looked like all was lost and God started over with us or God kept the promise to us. So based on that, we, it, it, it's not, it's not a desperate hope. It's not like uh well, we have no reason to believe it except that we want it to be true, but no, based on God's faithfulness in the past, we can trust that what God has said about the future, even if it sounds outlandish and unnatural, like in the, in the coming weeks in our lectionary uh, in this year, we get to hear the images from the prophets of like, um, 
weapons being beaten into farming tools and animals that are enemies lying down side by side, lions and bears and cows and lambs and grazing and all that. And like, that there's something that sounds in some sense completely unnatural. And yet that, how, why would we dare hope for a new kind of order of things like that? Well, except that the God who promises it is also the God that we believe is the one who brought people through the sea and brought them to the promised land. I mean, like that there's, there's reason for it, which makes it a, a, a firm hope, I guess. I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of years ago um, because one of the churches that I serve is named Hope. And we were talking about images and um, symbols that our culture uses for hope and about how many people their go to picture uh, is an anchor. It's a symbol because there's this phrase in the letter to the Ephesians about having an anchor of hope that holds in the veil. And that's even showed up in other hymnody and things like that. Um, And I guess I never really thought about like that's that's it's powerful because it's about like it's something that holds you fast when there's a storm but there's also something that feels like it's all an anchor is also dead weight that keeps you from moving forward and i also wish that we had another image for hope that it's about being pulled forward into the future and like we we you almost need two competing images or metaphors but like hope always also in my mind is about being pulled forward into that new reality um so it's almost like being tethered to something that's moving or something um but uh I think both of those are, are two sides of the dimension of what hope is, something that anchors you when everything else is topsy-turvy, but also something that pulls you forward when you feel like you're stuck. Can I ask, what do you think it would look like for the church, however big or little you want to take this, to be hopeful people in a time like this where, man, like you say, sometimes life just gets you down and sometimes it can feel like there's nothing but bad news or uh, there, it, sometimes it feels like the world is a dumpster fire. Um, what does hope look like if it's not just wishful thinking? Like what, what would it look like for the church to be people of, of hope? How, how would the world notice that or see it? So I had a bishop that for a while, well, when I knew him at least, Every time that you asked him, how are you? Like, because that's a standard greeting that we (laughs) exchange. It is. Um, His response was always, I'm hopeful. And at times I found this very annoying. Like (laughs) I would be asking him, how are you? Because he looked exhausted. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm hopeful. And it's like, (laughs) what does that mean when you look so tired? Right. Um, but it was his way of reminding folks in the church that he he was in fact hopeful. He was hopeful for the church, Big C. He was hopeful for this specific church congregation that he was visiting. He was mm-hmm. hopeful for the ELCA. He was hopeful for, you know, the country. I Whatever he was hopeful for, like that was what he was like focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure that that's a practice that I want to get into because I was on the receiving end of it and yeah. I found it annoying at times, but like, I appreciated his dedication to keeping his hope yeah. front and center. I, I think you, you named something that's really important that, um, and maybe the way that that didn't always ring authentically is, is one of the guardrails here, but that I think each of the things we're going to be talking about this season, hope, peace, joy, and love, 
you can either treat them like they're just emotions and that you feel them when you feel them, or you can treat them as practices that you can cultivate. And mm -hmm. that means that there's a certain degree to which we have control over how we steer into them or lean into them. And I'm not suggesting fakeness, like say you're hopeful when you were absolutely despairing, but mm -hmm. that it is possible to be people who practice hope, who practice love, who practice peace and joy in a way that's different than feeling happy or optimism, and maybe this is the difference between hope and optimism, or between joy and mere happiness, um, or love and liking someone. The same way that I can love people who I really have a hard time liking, in that I can seek their welfare and seek their well-being, even if I disagree with them, or they've really upset or irritated or hurt me. Um, and that love is still genuine. And I guess I think maybe hope is something similar, that it's possible to keep at it where you are hopeful in spite of the circumstances, not because of them, and that it's still real. But like maybe that's what this season is about. How do we as church people encourage people not just to feel hopeful if they happen to already feel hopeful, but to practice it, to intentionally steer into that, I guess. What do you think, Erica? Are there ways that you think... Uh, a hopeful church, capital C or little c, would be evident in the world? How would people notice you're like, yeah, those people seem awfully full of hope. What, what, what does that look like? I think for me, it's just, and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of mix two of these things together. Uh, I'm going to mix joy into this a little bit. Um, but looking for the good, in spite of whatever else is going on mm -hmm. and um you know find that that spark of joy even in the midst of chaos death mm -hmm. what whatever it is mm -hmm. that might be going on in, in one's life um at least for me that that gives me some hope to know that okay right now in this season you know i might be dealing with a very chaotic situation whatever that might be but i know in the future that this season will pass mm -hmm. and joy at some point will come new in the morning yeah yeah it, it almost feels like it's an act of hope to say that sentence from the scriptures that uh mm -hmm. morning may linger for the night but hope or joy comes in the morning that that ability to see that or say that and that this won't last forever um, there's, there's somebody, I don't, I forget who it is, but there's somebody on Twitter whose uh, tweets will sometimes appear in my timeline and all this, this account ever tweets is this one sentence over and over and over again, randomly, it seems to me, unless there's purpose in their mind, but it's just this one sentence, you are not alone and this will not last forever. And mm -hmm. like, it seems like this person like his aside, that's our mission in the world is like that needs to be said sometimes over and over and over again. And like, even though I had no idea, I've never met this person, don't know where on earth they are living, but like. It, it seems powerful that somebody recognizes somebody's going to need to hear that word today and whatever it is you're going through, this will not last forever. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I feel like in, in a way, maybe even more so than some of these other virtues or themes we're going to look at hope only makes sense or hopefully works against the backdrop of things that are unhopeful, you know, like that, yeah. like, like when things are going great and fine, nobody needs to hope for a sunny day if it's already sunny. But like when you were struggling, hope is that thing that no, it won't always be like this. We are moving forward into something else. Um, and that, yeah, maybe part of what it is to be people of hope is that ability to truthfully and with our eyes open, acknowledge whatever the rottenness or darkness or chaos or dumpster fire and say, and in spite of that, we continue on or, and in nevertheless, we will continue.
Yeah, because I, I think you can have peace and joy and love. You know, when when things are peaceful, when yeah. things are joyful, when you're you're loving. Um, right. But hope, like, yeah, I think you're right, Steve. Hope really. I mean, can you have hope when things are good? Yeah, you can have hope that things will get even better than that. <laughs> or continue. <laughs> yeah. Continue in yeah. that sense. But it really stands out as something different. Yeah. And and countercultural when it looks like you shouldn't have hope. Yeah. I guess I even wonder if that's part of why the apostle uh, says what he does uh, in that famous passage from Corinthians. In the end, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That like there will come a point when faith and hope are kind of well, but we already see the God that we you know said we believe in because now we see face to face, and the thing we've hoped for has happened. So it's not that we stop being hopeful, but yeah, it's obvious, and that love is is different. That love doesn't require that tension or that that absence or something. The the it doesn't have to be in contrast, but hope to be meaningful is acknowledging the contrast that there's a lot of rotten things in the world that give us reason not to be hopeful for. I guess in, in some ways that means hope feels like the most like a protest or the most rock and roll to me. Like hope of all these virtues is the most that is defiant and like, I don't care what you say headlines. I don't care what you say darkness. You won't get the last word. Um, and that, that in, in some ways maybe again fits with the, the disruptiveness of the, the lectionary texts that we get in on this first week in Advent year by year, that they are in some ways the most defiant and the most uh, standing up against whatever the powers of the day are and saying, no, you won't win the day. Well, then uh, we invite you to join us for further conversations on, I don't know, things like peace and joy and love here in the coming weeks uh, here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye and happy new year. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.